0: Hey friends, welcome to the Love Intently podcast, where each week I bring you relationship experts, inspiring couples, and first-class relationship thought leaders from around the world. I'm on a mission to explore what exactly makes love last and to empower a generation to have strong relationships. I'm your host, Sophie Kwok, the chief love enthusiast who believes that relationships are the most important part of our lives. And if you're looking to build a stronger relationship or to take a proactive approach towards love, loveintently.com hosts an array of articles, podcasts, resources, and love tips to help you build and keep strong relationships. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, Love Intently tribe. It's Sophie. Today's episode is with the spectacular Ashley and Dan Banky. Ashley is a founder of a tech startup called Spot Locator, and Dan is a social worker turned college volleyball coach. In this episode, they discuss how they've made it work and taken turns to pursue what they love, how they've balanced entrepreneurship, marriage and parenting, how they've identified and overcome depression within their marriage and almost losing their first son. They even talk about the tensions that come with being an interracial couple today. This episode is jam packed with takeaways, so let's get started. Hi, Ashley and Dan. Welcome to the Love and podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Hi,
1: Sophie. Hey, hey friend.
0: Thanks so much for joining <laughs> of us. Course. Okay, so I just want to give our audience a little background, if you guys want to tell us how you guys met, a little bit about yourselves, and um, when you fell in love, and how you knew that you guys had found your mate.
1: Ooh, lead the way, Dan. Oh, really? <laughs> no. I'm totally going to allow for you to do that. Just tell the story a little bit, since you're the pursuer.
2: Tell the story. Okay, so we both attended uh, Shoreline Christian Center here in Austin, and- um, We're part of uh, a young adult group called Lift Young Adults. Um, Did a lot of fun, different activities. So our paths crossed uh, numerous times. I had a beach volleyball court at my house, something I'm deeply passionate about. Crazy. Um, And so she had some volleyball background. And so we, uh, paths definitely crossed there. uh, But they also crossed a little bit with, I was starting up a nonprofit at the time. And uh, she had some background in um, building a nonprofit. And so um, she was able to help out with that, and from there, oh, wait, um, wait, relationship wait. continued to build. So
1: this is true, um, and we could probably even say that when we first started interacting, we were just totally platonic as friends. And I think even when I was helping you and in, in filing your five hundred one c three, that it was totally platonic um, at that that particular juncture. Um, so like, I did not have any kind of expectation of like, ooh, this is some guy that I'm interested in or I'm going to potentially date. I didn't have an ulterior motive, did you? Because I didn't ask this question.
2: No, I mean, there was no ulterior motive, but I mean. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it eventually had to figure out, like, realized there was an attraction there. And for me, I was definitely a little bit older than her. And so I wanted to make sure that um, that she knew kind of what my intentions were. I didn't want to play any games. And so we talked a lot when I kind of initiated the conversation, a lot about what the relationship could look like, um, down the road and probably more so than any other relationship that I've initiated. Um, and so that conversation could have been awkward for anyone else except for Ashley. She handled it wonderfully. And I probably would, um, I wouldn't do anything different because it, it led us to where we're at now. And so that was exciting.
0: Okay. So tell me a little bit about that conversation and what made Ashley different for you to want to go about it that way. Cause I, I think a lot of people could benefit from this little knowledge in the beginning.
2: Yeah. I think there was a, a respect for her just seeing how she carried herself, the kind of person that she was, the people that she walked with. Um, and so those things helped me understand. Like I, it was important for me to respect her and not, you know, kind of drag her, you know, kind of through a relationship if some of these core things didn't match up, whether it's having kids, whether it's, are you, are you talking about, you just wanting to date just because, you know, out of friendship or out of um, loneliness or, you know, whatever it could be, but we wanted to get down to, um all the specifics before we even entered in. And so if you start talking about kids, you start talking about any of that stuff even before you start dating, that's crazy, right? It, it's a little bit different um, but it's, it's that was that was my way of protecting her heart, protecting my heart as well. It's like, well let's just throw out these deal breakers yeah. and just kind of see if there's something there. if there's something there, then great. Um, but I said at the end of it, that I wanted to go away from this friends regardless of whatever we discuss.
1: So what was interesting, though, about that conversation, too, was um, so he and I, of course, like I helped him with his 501c3 filing and all that. And so we were platonic and started texting each other afterwards. Right. And so I know like sometimes when you're like interacting with friends and like your opposite sex and so you're deciding whether or not like, okay, is this like just a friend thing or like am I developing feelings or. I got to a point where I was like, I think I have a, a, a crush on Volleyball Dan. This is what we called him. It was Volleyball Dan at the time. <laughs> kid you not? And so, <laughs> did you know? That? So, he knows. Like yeah, he, yeah, everybody yeah. used to call him Volleyball Dan. So like that was the thing. And so we we went from that. Uh, and so like texting and just interacting when we saw each other at church. And so he comes up to me because we would always go to dinner like these large kind of dinners afterwards. And uh, he came up and asked. He's like, Hey, Ashley, you want to go talk at like I think it was Applebee's or something like that. He's like, Ashley, you want to go talk at Applebee's? go, sure. And I said that response without actually registering I'm like, oh, we're about to have this conversation. Oh. This is what's about to happen. So, <laughs> so um, when we went over and we had that, that combo, it really was great that he was so communicative and upfront, um, you know, and clear instead of attempting to kind of play with emotions and like run through those games right, with dating. Um, but for us, what was there were a few kind of variables that were different than I think the norm. Um, for for some people when they're dating, I know for us we had a, like almost a decade age difference, right? And so I was in my early to like, like my mid twenties at that time, and um, and then also of course we have a difference of backgrounds, um, life experience. Both of us are uh, he's white, I'm I'm black with uh, big curly hair, right? So totally up <laughs> <out> there <laughs> different family backgrounds, and so um, it was important for us to know really early kind of where we stood beyond faith, but like what do you believe about like people, what do you like, what help me understand, like what kind of household you came from. So I can understand if that's something that's going to um, cohesively come together as a unit as we kept going.
2: What was so hard during that time is letting time take its course. But I think that's the course of any relationship when you get to, when you really like someone is that you just want to kind of get through all of that stuff, but you actually have to let time run its course. And I think that's probably the hardest part of dating, mm. honestly is being able to just get to know someone.
0: Okay. So what was your timeline then?
2: That's great timeline for. Oh,
0: okay. So from the time that you started dating to engage mm-hmm. to marriage
1: to first kid. Oh, okay. I mean, I can kind of, my memory is bad. So I'm going to need you to
2: kind of say, I mean, <laughs> I can kind of add one in there. Oh, and that's when, when we fell in love and I knew that I didn't want to ever say, I love you to someone unless I knew that that's the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. But getting to that point takes time. And so though I felt feelings of that within the first few weeks of like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I, you have to kind of ignore that because at the end of the day, you can't act as on feelings. Right. So that was kind of what I was going through. And I would say it was closer to month three is when um, I told her, I love you for the first time. Um, And I knew I didn't want to get engaged. That's a whole nother story of engagement.
1: Uh. Um, (laughs) um, Okay. We'll have to circle back there. um,
2: We got engaged about a year later, about a year later. And then we got married.
1: May of the following. May of the following year. So
2: another seven months after we got engaged. And so that was critical for us. We did not want to get married are uh, engaged and married all within six months or, yeah. you know, like it.
1: You just hear some crazy
2: stories oh, sometimes yeah. it,
1: and and it works for some folks. And then some um, it right. just burns right. as fast as it started. <laughs> right. But so, especially since we had that age gap, I was like, look, I hope you don't expect to be married and like having kids in six months or whatever the case may be, right. because I'm not your girl. <laughs> <laughs> this that's is not what I want to <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So that's the timeline, I think a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think what is it From first dating to marriage was like maybe a year and a half almost two years ago,
0: yeah mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I absolutely agree. I hear from some friends all the time that the hard that is one of the hardest parts of dating is needing to put the time investment, and mm-hmm. then sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't work and, right? but i i think it's worth it to to wait until it's someone that you really mm-hmm. feel like you mesh right. well with
2: that's, true. that's
0: something i wanted to ask you guys about is during these conversations you had so early on i'm sure there had to have been some things where you guys weren't fully aligned on but mm-hmm. what things did you guys determine was okay like i can work with that and what were your non-negotiables were like okay if you don't meet me here mm-hmm. yeah how did that
1: work yeah for that
2: i mean i have one but i'll let you let mm-hmm. you go.
1: I'm trying to think of the the things that were. I think we we learned each other better better as we grew together. Um, I know when we first started dating, Dan uh, was incredibly rigid, right? I think with just all things, whether it's like time, uh, how you spend money, like all the things, like sarcasm, he didn't believe in that at all. And I was like, this oh, idea this might be a, a non negotiable. Uh, <laughs> but but we worked through that, right? Um, but so it was it was determining like in In our conversations, in relationship, like are are we compatible enough that I can have fun with you that we can be serious together? All those things. And when we determined that at least on my end that um that he was someone that I totally was compatible with in that particular way, um that was great. But also, I think culturally making sure that we could actually deal with each other and all of the the mm-hmm. things that that come with that, I know um Dan and I, like we we always talk about this particular story. Is this what you were going to talk about? Probably. Uh, <laughs> like totally like catching eyes I'm like is that the, the thing you're gonna say so w- there was one particular little like flash point I would say when we were dating um and so with me and with my girlfriends so most of us are women of color whatever the case may be and so like with us we when we're all together like it's super playful joking around like code switching a little bit which isn't intentional but that's just what you do like when you get around family or like your close totally. people like you just go completely into your element and like that's your zone and and <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm like I've experienced some of that, <laughs> right? And so, so when Dan would be like, or at least when when we were dating early, when we were dating, and when Dan would be in <laughs> the space, he was like. We had to have a conversation because, like, Ashley, I feel like you're a different person with your girlfriends or like your people, like your folks, than you are with me. And he's like, you know, I feel like you're just being different. And and I'm like, okay, so let's let's dial this back and let's have a conversation because if because <laughs> <laughs> if, if you if you can't um, if you can't take my whole self, like I'm not going to cloak or change who I am and how I operate and how I, I go through spaces, because you want me to be a certain way. Like you want me to fit this particular um, aesthetic or view or, you know, this mold. Um, I was like, you know, if, if you can't take the whole me, then, you know, then we, we have to discuss, you know, where we go from here.
2: And that was definitely when I knew we got past that. And I yeah. knew like, cause I had to make a decision. It's like you accept everything that she just got done explaining. And I had a decision to either continue on with the relationship or not, because if I can't handle that and if I can't understand her in that's who she is, then there was no point in continuing the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized I was like, there's no way I want to lose this person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was a, that was just another um, marker for me of like, this is the right decision and we're still still moving forward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I needed to know up front, like what that was because I didn't know what that was. I mean, you just well, you're about you are right? yeah. <laughs> from Wisconsin. Right? Wisconsin. <laughs> whole whole why you yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, you talk about was it code switching? I mean, I still don't and even that's know the, the proper term, term, that's the term. right? Yeah, 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 I mean, maybe the audience, not everyone knows what code switching is. Okay. But I mean, I had a difficult time trying to understand, yeah. you know, what what exactly that was. Yeah. And so, um, but I mean, now it's it's all you. It's all normal. It's all.
1: uh, Yeah. And I think that he, um, like, we kind of do our own kind of code switching, I think, even in itself for for like, you know how like you have like your friends and you have your inside jokes. And so like, there's these things. And so like, for us, it's Kevin Hart, laugh at my pain. And so like, we'll, we'll do some jokes in between one one another that no one else would understand or know. But that's kind of similar thing, you know, with, with friends and people that you love that are close.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then moving into kids. How did that change your dynamic and how has navigating that been for you?
1: Wow. I think kids change probably everything. Most things. I mean, right. the, the hierarchy of our family and how we view each other of, of it, God, like our spouses, like one another, and then the kids like that never changed. So we've been really intentional about prioritizing each other. Um, God first, are each other and then the kids and not flipping that dynamic at all because I feel like everything else gets off track mm-hmm. um, when we do that. So we've been very intentional about that. Um, but we had a really kind of traumatic experience, I'd say, with having our first kid. Mm-hmm. And so with, with that particular um, flashpoint with his delivery and almost losing him, Um, early on, that was something that brought us together in a way um, spiritually and relationally that um, the kids have only really brought us closer for the most part.
0: Yeah. Do you want to share a little bit more of that experience of of like just... Yeah, I mean,
1: um, I can probably give a little bit of my uh, point of Mm -hmm. view and then you can share yours. But but so our first son, Theo, he's pushing four now. So he's a super vibrant, awesome kid, (laughs) obsessed with baseball. They are
0: also (laughs) two of the most adorable children, (laughs) let me just say.
1: Thank you. They're super sweet. They're super sweet. Um, But so I had a phenomenal pregnancy with our first kid. I was dancing at a wedding like the day before, a week before. I kid you not, like just full belly and all like gyrating the whole thing. I believe it holy gyrating. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was a backyard wedding. Totally kidding. Um, And so um, had a great pregnancy. And then we went into delivery. I I had um, a friend of mine who worked in labor and delivery at a particular hospital. And so I was like, I gave her the forewarning before I went into labor. I was like, look, whenever I go into labor, I'm calling you put The best person on the floor that you know that's a nurse, they're like, Put her in my room, like that's what I need to happen, right? And I can tell you it's, it was a whole God thing, the entire kind of experience and the testimony really of it all. Um, but we we get there, get my epidural, epidural process was awful, painful. Uh, my Dan actually, in the middle of getting my epidural, stopped the procedure and was like, Hey, y'all, do you think we need to go natural? And I was like, You have lost your mind, <laughs> you are not talking
2: for me, we're not doing this natural. Cr- <laughs> what
1: do I mean? It was rough. Yeah. <laughs>
2: They could not get it right. Yeah. They were just yeah. were really stumbling around with this needle in her spine. And it was very tough for a husband to sit back and Ooh, watch was wailing. her in pain. And like the whole point of the part of this was to avoid future pain. Yeah. And so if you're going to keep causing my wife pain, then we might as well just go natural. You know, but you ain't so, but you're not no, carrying the baby, no, you're not no, delivering it, the baby. It. Trust me, I get it. So <laughs> that was tough to watch. That was tough. And so
1: we we went we started the the process of pushing the normal thing kind of and this is my first kid, so I'm thinking that this is gonna go relatively quickly and I think we were probably 45 minutes in and I was like, guys, I don't feel like anything's working. I feel <laughs> like we need funny. to stop. Like we need to pray. And like, they all like laugh at me later on now. But but so, so we stopped <laughs> pushing, Stop pushing. The baby's not moving, y'all. Oh, no. And so, <laughs> oh, so we stopped pushing and I just like, we stopped and we prayed for a minute. And um, from that prayer, the nurse, um, she told us later on, but she was like, you know, I felt the need to call the NICU down. I was showing no signs of duress. Nothing was wrong. Like I was healthy the entire time. And so she felt the need to call the NICU down, and she did, and the doctor signed off on allowing her to do that. Um, and then later on in delivery, I spike a fever. And um, and I was not a high-risk pregnancy at all. Kid was still moving, all that even, up until three minutes before delivery. And then when I have Theo, um, he's unresponsive. So like they have this test called the AFGAR test, and like zeros is a stillborn, the scale goes up to 10, 10 is healthy based off of all these indicators, color, breathing, all that stuff. And zero being a stillborn, Theo was a one. So he was the closest thing to life to be born um, and, and not be a stillborn. And um, and so as soon as he was born, we immediately hand him off. Um, the NICU person is in the room to do that work and works on him for minutes. And so I'm teak- like speaking to him, coaching him, calling his name, kind of like that on the table for minutes before yeah. um, he even made a noise. Um, and our... One of the elders at our church is actually the chief neonatologist at this hospital. And that's just kind of serendipitous a little bit. But he came and talked to us later on. And he was telling us how, you know, it normally takes the hospital three to five minutes to come down, like the NICU people to come down to the room when they're called. And that um, if they would have had to wait that long to get to Theo, that he wouldn't have he wouldn't have survived the delivery. Um, and so there was that particular experience that we walked through together. And then... Um, me having some health issues <laughs> of like having a tear and like having to walk through like the grossness of like post mm-hmm. postpartum, um, that like he was right there for like in the midst of. And so I, we bonded so much, um, because of that experience even more so because of, you know, that, that really, really right. difficult season. Yeah. That point. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna echo, have have? yeah. No, I mean, echo everything you're saying. I mean, it, that was a, it was a really tough experience to go through, yeah. um, that particular nurse, um, she was kind of trained by her, her mom. Her mom, yeah, I believe, yeah, was yeah. a nurse as well. And her mom had told her, we found this out later, that if you ever have a gut feeling about anything, you act on that yeah. and you do it. And so when we're praying over our son, even though he hasn't been born yet, there was something that happened right there where she she just felt obligated to you know, call up the NICU and have them come down. Yeah. Why that was, you know, it's just it's just amazing and it's interesting and it's a part of our story. Yeah. And um, you know, it she um, was incredible and yeah. we're so grateful that she was in the room the on reason, that particular like she's
1: day. One of the reasons that we have a mm-hmm. four year old son almost now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. our intuition, otherwise.
0: man. Yeah, it's crazy how much. I just, how often that that can be mm-hmm. right, but we logic ourselves out of it so many times. Mm-hmm. true. You know, but man, thank God that that yeah. worked mm-hmm. out and that we're yeah, able to sure. hug Truly, you. Truly. Yeah. yeah, and
1: there was more to that story, but it's just like, it's, all of it was a testimony like, okay, like God, if you didn't do this and if you didn't place this here, right. this didn't happen, like so much would be different. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, goodness, from the kid having seizures and the right person that was working in the NICU came down who had been working 20 plus years and was able to identify it in a way that nobody else could because everybody else was younger on the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it was just, it was like so many different crazy things about that delivery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a long answer.
0: Okay, y'all, I have something super exciting to share with you. How many of you guys enjoy a glass of wine or two during date night or girls night? Well, let me introduce to you Wink, who makes it super easy to discover great wine from the comfort of your home. And that's W-I-N-C. Wink's wine expert selects wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and ships it straight to your door. And it just starts at $13 a bottle. Did I mention there's no shipping cost? If you don't like a bottle they send you, they will replace the bottle with something that you love, no questions asked. And there's nothing quite like coming home to a bottle of wine that's selected just for you. All you have to do is fill out Wink's palette profile quiz, answer some simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or even translate into a recommendation. These questions include things like, how do you like coffee? Or how do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste. The more wines that you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections become. Each month, there are new wines like their insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered and you can discover great wine today. All you have to do is go to wink.com, which is dot com, And we're giving you $22 off of your first shipment using the code love intently one word. And that's L O V E I N T E N T L Y. Again, that's wink.com with a promo code of love intently for $22 off. And did I mention that's almost two bottles on the house. So really you got nothing to lose. Try out some great wine. Tell us how it is. Okay, so since having kids and having mm-hmm. your lives kind of change and you are you have your own startup yeah. and you're also working, what are some practices or things that have kept you guys close or mm-hmm. things that you guys would recommend to people that are maybe earlier in yeah. their relationship or marriage? Mm-hmm. I
2: mean, I think one of the things is listening and hearing each other's desires for our career goals and not every season can you strive and achieve to accomplish both. Um, there was a time when Ashley had a pretty secure job and I really strongly felt like it was time for me to lay down my role as a social worker and pursue a, a career in college coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that background, and so I, I really wanted to pursue it. But it took me a getting a volunteer position, I mean, laying down a, a pretty good salary mm-hmm. to be able to pursue a different career path. I don't think we could have done it at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but she allowed... Uh, you know, going through conversations, we looked at that and go like, God, we felt that this was the right thing to do. Um, but for her to feel okay with that was awesome. I needed that affirmation from her that, Hey, this is a good decision. Like she supported me in wanting to pursue this knew that it was going to be a struggle in the beginning, being a volunteer. I was pregnant um, while
1: he was volunteering. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were pregnant with you at kid. the time.
2: Mm-hmm. And so nuts was able paper. to get the job. Um, <laughs> it was. It was But I got the job at at Texas state and um, had it for a few months until the season was done. Um, And then finally was able to get a full-time position right here in Austin at Houston Tillotson university. So that worked out. And so then the time came when it was time to pursue her goals and her Jeeves. And so I think that's key in that listening to each each other's hearts Mm -hmm. um, and figuring out a way. And there's so much stretching involved. And if you don't, If there's not enough, you know, to take risks, I mean, that all of that, all of that is worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, it's I think that's probably some that's been helpful for us is that we've been able to listen. We've been able to um, really support each other in our decisions.
1: Yeah. And we definitely weren't flipping about any of the major decisions that we had as a family because we knew of the impact, you know, the potential impact of. You know, not being able to, whether it's afford a mortgage or, you know, Mm -hmm. we would have to change our lifestyle, right? Which was what we have, we've had to do for every one of these big changes that we've done for our careers is, Mm -hmm. you know, Scaling back on what we could purchase, or trips that we could take, or right. uh, food we could eat.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: right, that yeah. changes sometimes yeah. when you go into startup life, uh, or like normal at brand, right. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like going from two salaries to one, like mm-hmm. that—that's been a unique transition both times. And mm. but it's—it's it's never been. Uh, one dragging the other along, but because I think that there there is an ability to kind of drive a wedge, right, or, or create animosity um, between one another that we we did not want to um, allow a foothold for in our marriage, and so right. we were always intentional about doing those, making those really big decisions together, uh, which took took a lot yeah. of time, conversations, uh, emails, tears. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, emails.
1: I mean, sometimes I would have to document for Dan or like, well, Beth, I think back and forth, like sometimes like, he's a visual person. So like, sometimes it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This isn't like a like grand idea or, yeah. you know, something really flippant or like, I'll come with the next thing three months later. So like, no, 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 this is what I want to do. Like, this is the strategy, like, believe me in this. And yeah. So emails were in there too. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. See, I don't know that <laughs> most people would have even thought about doing that, but that's a great yeah. strategy. Are there other practicals like that, that you guys use during this process? I mean, obviously you had in-person conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys sent emails. What, what those emails sh- structure like, you know, how does that even <laughs> yeah. come fold into I, the conversation? Yeah. I, mean, well, I, never,
2: uh, I mean, you'll answer the structure part of yeah. what that looks like. But the one thing we've never done is I feel strongly about this. I'm doing this no matter what. Right. right. There's we've never, never, never been any yeah. part of a relationship because what, what good can come from that? All we're going to get is she didn't, listen to me or, you know, and just, I told you so. Right. right I told you so. Yeah. And then it, it just starts from there. And so I don't know, that's always been a respect that we've had between ourselves mm-hmm. that, I mean, I, I really, really appreciate that we've, we've done, mm-hmm. um, you can um, share a little bit about the stuff
1: that we've done. Um, Well, I think even proceeding, like when you think about like the fundamentals and like the foundation of our relationship, what helped in a lot of ways was us actually doing like premarital counseling. Mm. Um, And so for that, that gave us a window into a little bit of our upbringings for both of us to be able to have those conversations early about, you know, what was your childhood like? Like, why are you wired the way that you are? Mm. Dan, why are you super serious? Or like, you know, or or, and then also talking about like roles within the household, because you think about like all these things that are incredibly important, but- Um, like the things that annoy you every day is like, okay, so-and-so didn't clean the bathroom or like, okay, so you are really just not going to do dishes. Uh, (laughs) So talking about like those roles and also like pet Mm -hmm. peeves early on, that allowed for us to not, um, what would you say? Like try to be mind readers for each other. Like try to, to... make them assume or make him assume like that he should already know, like you should right. already know without me communicating, um, what I value and what, what's hurtful to me. What's mm-hmm. what I really love. I was like, no, no, no. Like you need to communicate that up front. Like I should, like, I can't expect for you to know all this thing and be a yeah. And so, so premarital was huge for us,
2: I would say. And I mean, and foundational pieces like, uh, the five love languages by yeah. uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, yeah. like words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, Access service Gifts. and trying to identify mm-hmm. which ones are ones that you gravitate towards. What ones are mm-hmm. ones that I gravitate yeah. towards, and we help each other with that. We even did some testing through life languages as well. Have you well. ever heard of that?
1: Mm-hmm. Life languages. I haven't heard about Super life cool. languages. Super cool. There's,
2: I mean, there's so many different things out there. But I mean, the key is the <laughs> love
0: personality test. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, the key is that we're always trying to find something to, I don't know, better our relationship and better our marriage. And if we ever get to a place where like, well, we've done the five love languages. We will from time to time. Um, hey, how's your love tank doing? Yeah, that's a question that's a that will pop that do, yeah. up maybe once to twice a month. How is your love tank doing? Mm-hmm. Even a- asking that simple question can show the other person like I'm thinking about you. How's yeah. it going? Mm-hmm. Um, but that does give freedom to the person to be able to say, you know what? I wish we had more time together. Can we fit that in? You know, I mean, there's just so many things that can come from it. But um, we've used that um, phrase so many times in our relationship and it's been helpful.
1: And I think also, practically speaking, uh, not being afraid of counseling like during the marriage too. like we've we've done uh, marriage counseling, which was incredibly helpful for us. Um, because after we had our second kid, so like we thought that the first kid was life-changing and then like we (laughs) threw in Ollie and it was like a grenade went off. (laughs) It was like, we really have no sleep. You can't take like a lot of, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to take a break. So with one kid, if you're busy or like you're in a certain season, like you can hand the kid off. It's like, okay, let me go take a nap for a little while or let Mm -hmm. me go do this thing by myself. And then when it's two, like that demand is hard, like on on each other is so much more to take care of them. And so, so for us, when we threw in Ollie, and like the sleep like level was really low. Like we weren't getting much sleep. Um, my grace in my language, so the things that I would say was gone, and, <laughs> and, so, and, and vice versa. So other True. stuff that we were like, okay, we need to go to counseling to get some more tools in the toolbox because this is just yeah. this isn't cute. So, <laughs> which yeah. really really helped. And that was that was huge. Was was yeah. going to get more tools in the toolbox for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think that's so powerful. You guys were very proactive about it, it seems, because I've heard most counselors will say that people will wait for six years before they ever seek help. Like if they have Mm -hmm. an issue Mm -hmm. and she compares it to having cancer on your face for six years and then going to the doctor and expecting them to be able to just immediately cure it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's Yeah. it's true. I mean, and what prevents that? Usually it's pride. A lot of times is that, no, I have this or I I, I can yeah. do this on my own. I don't need help. And like it, especially from a guy's perspective, we want to think that we are sometimes in control a little bit. You know, we're leading our families in a way mm-hmm. like we don't need that. And who wants to, what guy wants to open up and talk about feelings? Mm-hmm.
1: I did not have there. to kind of drag you along saying, a little bit on that, right? One. Going to
2: marriage counseling, yeah. but it, right, but it took some prompting. But yeah, I mean, that was did. at the end of the day. What's the what's the end result? So we have a healthier marriage. Yeah. Well, then, like, sign me up. Like, let's do that.
0: For sure. So, how did that conversation go?
2: Which one? What, when we finally was, made the decision to yeah. do counseling? Talking about counseling, bring it up. I, if she brought it up, definitely. But I just looked at it as like we're okay. Like we're we're doing okay. We're not. He kept like because yeah. the, I mean, there's certain rules that we just have never like I've never sworn at her. I've never screamed at her. Um, we've never physically fought. And so when you throw those things in, I look at, it's like, we're doing okay. We're doing good. Like Mm -hmm. if we can manage two kids and we're not going, we're not crossing that line. Like, I feel like we're good. Um, but there were other critical things that we just, I don't like, I couldn't see, Mm -hmm. um, that, and if she's, pointing something out time after time. I know that it must be yeah. serious to her. Yeah. And so I need to take a serious look yeah, at
1: that. I was drowning at a certain point relationally where I felt like we weren't on the same page. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think we just, we hit Specifically communication, right? Yeah. Communication mm-hmm. was a really, we, we were just breaking down there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I remember we just got to a particular point after like putting the kids down one time. Um, And I can't even remember what it was that triggered me, Uh, but something (laughs) triggered. And we had like a small little bungalow house of like a thousand square feet, like in in Austin. And so- uh, we had two bedrooms in the back, which is where both our kids were sleeping at the time. And so, like, there really was no space for you, like, to get up and, like, just get some air, right, or breathe or move. And so, I remember getting so angry, like, jumped up off the couch, and I walked off, and I stormed to the back, and then I realized I couldn't go in my own bedroom because the kid was sleeping. And so, <laughs> and, so, and so, I came back and just stomped it and just right. was like, so expressive about it, just like, just being kind of defeated in the moment of, like, look, like, we have to do something. Like, I'm, I'm, this is frustrating. Like, I'm so frustrated. Uh, like, we need to do something. And so, like, that that particular and mm-hmm. I think that I was probably a little more colorful with my language uh, when in that particular moment which is when we really <laughs> recognize like okay like we're at a tipping point yeah. um, that he was like okay like let's let's do this let's if, if this is what you really think is gonna help mm-hmm. and by all means I'm in yeah
0: mm-hmm. okay so what advice do you have for couples where one person's in entrepreneurship
1: yeah um, thinking about when you have at least one entrepreneur in the family I uh, I think that we alluded to it a little bit early on about really being on the same page about going into that particular venture venture and going down that route for a season however long that season is is of of having to be on the same page because I know, and as you know, as a founder too, that there's a lot of highs and lows, right? Like there's a lot of things that you hit and there's things that you don't, right? And there there has to be this kind of element of support and we're in this together because when you hit those really low moments and that person is like, you know what, I told you not to do it in the first place. Like that's going to make wow. it even harder to come right. up out of, you know, right. come out of those, those low moments. And so mm-hmm. Um, I can certainly say with, you know, as much investment and sacrifices we've made as a family to, to launch the business, that being in it together is really, really critical from the very beginning, I would say.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a definitely critical to do. Um, I mean, I think for the, the person that's not the entrepreneur, it's fully being invested and fully trusting um, that there's going to be last minute meetings that pop up. Um, happy hours, even just whatever it is, like I have to just let her have space to go and do that. Even if it's last minute, if I need to go pick up the kids because she's got to pick up, you just don't know if that, that meeting could lead. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of it's, it's just a networking, right. And, um, finding and hustling for those connections and learning more about the process, getting fully immersed in it. Um, and so um that part is just critical and being able to just adapt and go on the fly and um, that it's <laughs> that's basically what it what is gonna boil down to yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah I have um, I have immense respect for that because I feel like so many people can be prideful and and demand you know more of an exact 5050 split on certain things and it just life doesn't work like that and right
2: <laughs> but I, I do want to say that, It's we don't handle that perfectly at all because there's many times when I mean, I look at myself as her bumper lanes when as it pertains to like bowling. You know, like if (laughs) I feel like she's pivoting in a way where it's a pivot out of a thing that looked really, really good. I want to raise question to why. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And sometimes to her that could feel like. Um, you're not trusting me in this issue, right? Yeah. When at the end of the day, we want the same end result. Mm-hmm. And so because we're in this together in this, even though she's the entrepreneur, I'm not, the business is still ours together. And we yeah. still, I want what's best for her and like, and for our family. And so I want to be able to assist, but there's a there's a whole nother side of it that she understands about the business that I don't. Right. And so I can raise questions and ask clarifying um, thoughts Um, But there's a part of it that I do have to just fully like, you know what, you're, this is your business. And, you know, I have to just trust that you got this, like go and do it and keep supporting.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think even with that to be said too, I think that I have to, when you talk about us not doing it perfectly, right. um, As the entrepreneur, for me, I have to sometimes take a step back because Um, We have different backgrounds and I'm always in the weeds with my business, right? So I know every nook and cranny of it. I know the marketing strategy, the product development, who we're talking to, like who we're in relationship with, all those things, right? Um, But yet I'm, I'm in that all the time and I only give... Like snapshots to Dan, right? In conversation, so um, I would get frustrated or have gotten frustrated in conversation of like, why don't you remember this from when I talked to you about this two weeks ago? Or like, you're just not paying attention, right? Um, and it's it's having to recognize like I'm in this all the time, and he's living his life and he's running like he's doing running his lane and his course and help like us raising our kids together um, that he's not going to have that same familiarity with information uh, about the business as I do. And so like having um, grace and like humbling myself also just to, like. Yeah, like that's a valid question for him to ask again, right? Because um, mm-hmm. he just wants to know and understand and, and run this out together. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You guys mentioned some of this earlier, but I was wondering if there's any one or two of, the, you know, major hard or pain points in your marriage and how you guys navigated through that. And if you guys have advice for couples that are kind of in a tough spot, like really in it, yeah. what would you tell them?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, pain points, I mean, I felt like our our big pain point was right before counseling. Yeah. Um, Um, uh, just our communication was really off when it came to really understanding one another. I mean, we were on two totally different planets when it came to communication Mm -hmm. in that, in that season. And sometimes we kind of revisit that. Um, do you want to share more?
1: Uh, I mean, no, that's a particular valid, uh, really valid low point I think that we have with our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so like the practical thing is like to not be prideful about like getting more tools in the toolbox for you to be able to love each other better. Because mm-hmm. um, that was, that when we came on the other side of, of marriage counseling, we're like, I'm so thankful that we did that. Like, I love you more because I mm-hmm. understand you even more. Um, and we've walked through like even this difficult season mm-hmm. and coming out of that to the other side. And of course there will be more of them, but um, like there's this, um, continuity of knowing like we're just going through stuff together like that's life like life is the highs and the lows yeah. like the fun stuff the not so fun the
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know the traumas like you have like like we did with our um, our son being born like all that kind of stuff but um, the other thing that I can think of as a low point and um, that it may be more individual than it is as a as a couple but um, I'm someone who's had bouts with depression right and so I had a bout with depression um, after we had our first uh, our first kid and I was like one of those high I'm one of those highly functioning like people when I, when I walked through depression. And so, um, so for me, I would be really sad or in my head or, and mm-hmm. at the time I just was really unhappy with where I was in my career and in my life professionally that I was just like, man, you know, like I'm, I'm like late twenties. And I see all my friends doing all these wonderful things and yet I'm still here. Right. Um, and that was just having negative self-talk and, you know, all that fun stuff that can come with depression. And, um, when we, when I brought it up to him finally, at least of like being self-aware like, okay, I'm, I'm going, like, I'm diving into this a little bit. Like I feel myself doing that. Um, like I brought it up to him in communication, just wanting to be transparent. And he was like, Ashley, like, but you're smiling all the time, like, and you're happy. And like, he's like, you know, like, I don't see like depression in you. And I'm like, but on the inside, like I'm drowning, right? And so it was having to to be able to communicate that and him be able to walk through that with me and validate it too. Because um, I think there's something to be said for being able to say it out loud and it be received, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and not ignored. Because um, I think that that can happen quite often with family members and especially in the household to, to really uh, listen to your, the other person and be there. Because um, a lot of it is just walking through it um, together because um, those things can happen. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Depression is such a big word today of, um, and I think that's so powerful that you were self-aware enough to be able to recognize it and, and say it, and then also for you to receive it. Cause I think it's one of those things that's unseen, but Mm -hmm. for a long time, but it becomes really lethal and kind of like we had Kate Spade and Anthony Burdone, we lost them and Mm -hmm. nobody knew I'm sure in their life, but Mm -hmm. uh, the courage that it takes to say that. So
2: Um, I'm really encouraged by that. I mean, and it's that acknowledgement in listening and going back and forth and talking with things. And so if I'm giving any kind of wisdom advice that when you build a relationship, that it needs to be built on the right things, the right foundational pieces when it's not, it's so easy to, and I can feel it sometimes I can feel myself want to take a relationship in the way I want to take it. And like how selfish you just heard me say the word "I," like it's it's just such a selfish way. Um, but doing things according to um, God's word—that's been huge for us, um, and that's why we keep pushing for. That's why we're able to do that is because we're choosing outside of ourselves to listen to a higher, higher being.
1: Listen, I don't know if we'd be married still if we That's not have yeah. Jesus. The yeah, nice. Holy Spirit reigns me in sometimes. Yeah. Let's be clear. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's audible for me. friends yeah. and Holy Spirit's <laughs> 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 like, actually don't say that. Like, you don't right. want to see what's on the other side of that. Sometimes yeah. I still dip my toe in. but uh, But yeah, no, it's true.
2: I was just going to say, even going back to the communication a little bit to go deeper, I know we're just kind of stayed a little bit surface level when it came to communication, Mm -hmm. but there would be times when, um, you know, I would share, you would share an idea, you would share an idea and you're just bouncing that idea off me when I think that in, in term that you want to actually pursue that idea. And so I'm very much like, if you're going to tell me what that idea is—that means you want to do it right then and there. I'm like, we don't have the money for that. What are you talking about? I start, <laughs> I start blowing it out of proportion when she's just talking about things, and that's the one thing Processing. we realized mm-hmm. in life languages is that when Ashley is actually bringing up those ideas, she's just working those out in her head. <laughs> like it's you're true. just working those things out, and like I never would have known that we could have gone, we could go the next 50 years of marriage. And me never really get that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why doing that life language test and being able to figure out kind of her emotive language when it comes to life language, that that was a game changer regarding communication for us. Mm -hmm. Because now I can filter it through. There's literally been times in the past few weeks where she's (laughs) brought things up and I can just breathe And realize, okay, she's not trying to break the bank account here. Like, (laughs) it just means that she's just throwing things out there. And I can be at peace with that. And it feels amazing. (laughs) He was like,
1: oh my gosh, she's going to go. He was.
2: Yeah. But I would get worked up and I'm like, what are you, where are you going? What? I mean, you know what our bank account looks like. You know, all those things. The way my bank account is set up. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. But yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. That's
0: true. Okay, next topic I kind of wanted to touch on was you guys, you being black and you being white. And it, man, even today in 2018, there's a poll out there saying that 20% of Americans still think that interracial marriage is wrong. And I just wanted to ask you guys if you guys have encountered any of that and if you have some advice for other couples that are maybe earlier in navigating
1: mm-hmm. um, combining their lives together. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when coming into an interracial relationship, it was helpful for us is that very early on, um, we were, we were eyes open as to like who we were individually, like who we were dating and then also like what their family dynamics are like. Right. And so for me, um, being a black woman, um, I can, I can definitely say, I'm like, okay, I, I know you, I love you. Like, tell me about your parents, like, tell me about your siblings, like, tell me about where you're from, like, what do you believe about this? Like, and so like talking about social justice or talking about, yeah. you know, like, what do you believe about like a human being? Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and so, because that that's impactful, right. When you think about like the, the laws that we've had here in this country about what's allowable, what's not right for, um, for people to, to marry outside of their race, you know, and mm-hmm. so um, so that was, I think really impactful was to at least know, like have that, like be eyes open, um, as to what we would encounter, uh, inside of our household. And then also, um, you know, with our collective families.
2: Right. I mean, for me, it was looking at her as a person and not looking at anything else other than like, I want the best person for my life and the one that I can love. Um, and when it came to experiencing some of those things, um, I think it from my side of the family, there may have, it felt like there's nothing overt. There was nothing that really came up where something was said to me. Um, I think it was the silence that maybe, um, or the lack of the silence and the lack of excitement um, when talking about Ashley um, or being, it being received back when, when I was talking about Ashley. Um, and so that was different and that you can't point to it exactly, but it felt that way. And different areas of our state of Texas as well, like going to Fredericksburg, definitely getting looks of just, um, I don't, you can't even explain exactly what it is, but it's just a a different feeling when, when people look at you. And Um, I think it was
1: probably, I think it was probably less about the city um, that we were traveling in and more about the time that we've kind of come into. We traveled there after we had gotten into the latest like presidential cycle and, and there it's felt like living socially, um, as as a couple and really as individuals has has been complicated or been is different now in the last two three years and it has been historically for us, um, I I could certainly <laughs> say that that you know just navigating all these waters has gotten really different, sure. um, based off of where we are as a nation right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So my next question is what is the best relationship advice you have ever received or could give?
1: Mm leave the other person better than when you found them, right? Um, and so I've always kept that in mind when when dating Dan. Um, with the sense of, like, thinking about the words that I say. Like, how do I lift him up? How do I affirm him? Um, what do I not say? Because because when you talk about love languages, there's five of them, of course, and one of his is, is words of affirmation. And it's not that he has to be affirmed, but I recognize that negative words are really, really impactful to him, right? And so I, I was intentional about, like, being very... Um, selective about my words and my criticism and how I would bring things to him um, as we were dating and certainly in marriage as well, um, uh, because I want him to be better. Like I, I know that my voice, my words as his wife and as his support system have weight. And so um, it's my job to support him and lift him up and not um, to diminish him. And of course, there's there's a time to, um, what, what would you say? Like to challenge each other. Like there's mm-hmm. a difference between challenging and um, and tearing down, and so
2: um, or provoking, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, provoking too. This is true. I could yeah. totally provoke if I wanted to with my words, but I don't. I try not to. <laughs> um, but but that to be said of like I want you to be a better person because we're together, um, rather than you know coming right. out and exactly. craziness that can mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. What about you?
2: I don't know if it, there's not a phrase, but I think the foundational pieces that it takes to have a healthy marriage. And so I remember my dad. Always just saying, you when you need to find a a Christian woman. That was always just something that, um, that was so important to me. Not just someone that you could just call um, a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, just for okay, that's the checklist. Okay, you found a Christian woman, check right. Tried that. Uh, no. <laughs> Try that. yeah, that doesn't work. That no. doesn't work. Um, but it's true. being able to to do life with one another. That we have the same goals, the same purpose in life, and realize why we're here. Yeah. Um, I think those were that was just that was critical wisdom from my father for mm-hmm. sure.
1: That's so good. Okay,
0: so Ashley, what are you working on? Where can we find you? And how can people support you?
1: Yes, I am the founder of a tech startup called Spot Locator. and it's a digital media platform that helps brands, ad agencies, and influencers scout locations quickly. So the beautiful places that you want to, to use to tell your story and be more compelling, we um, help source those locations faster um, and, and make it easier so you can get to tell your story. Um, we have re- very recently um, finished the development of our mobile app, which I'm super excited about. It's been an idea, and so to finally actually have it in hand and have other, um, other folks actually using it. And telling, coming back and telling me that it's helpful. Um, that's that's currently what we're doing. And so, if there are folks that are here in the Austin area where we're testing first, um, that are influencers, photographers, or people that are out creating compelling content, um, I'd love to to chat with them about potentially coming in as as later be, uh, beta testers for us, so we can get to making something that's really awesome for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question: What does it mean to love intently to you?
2: Love intently it's purposeful. It, there's a, there's a special meaning behind it. Um, for us, it means doing the little things. Um, we create big things like vacations and things like that. But at the end of the day, when you do the small things around the house, I know that when the house is clean, Ashley feels I'm loved. a better woman. <laughs> she, is a, she feels like a better woman. I guess. I am. I'm a better woman. <laughs> in order to function. Yeah like with work life, Ashley needs a clean home. So I know that if cleaning up the living room can help her make, make her feel better that I guess that would be an example of loving intently. Um, but it's those little things that, um, that she's done time and time again um, for me as well. Like she will literally spend hours during the volleyball season Um, watching our kids while I'm on the road, like those small little things and being able to pursue the career that I really enjoy um, doing. um, Those are things where she's loving intently. I think that helps.
0: That's incredible. Well, thanks for sharing. Make sure you find uh, Ashley. And what are the handles that
1: Yes. So on Instagram, you can find us at Spot Locator. Locator is L-O-C-8-R. And then also on our website at at SpotLocator.com.
0: There you go. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review so that others can join the conversation as well. On this next episode, we have Joanna and Nolan Waterfall. Joanna is a founder of the Yellow Conference, a gathering for creative, entrepreneurial-minded women to be equipped, inspired, and connected for the greater good. She is an incredible and brilliant, talented graphic designer by trade, but she saw a need and created a community of just incredible women, and she's also empowered thousands of women at this point. And Nolan is a licensed insurance broker that allows employers with less than 500 employees access to benefits and technology, usually reserved for really big companies. They do this by bringing together like-minded companies to form coalitions, which result in lower premium costs. He's really passionate about the work that he does, and they're in the middle of a rebrand, so I'll keep you updated with that. But I just wanted to stop in and say that I am so excited about this interview because both of them have had such a critical role in hand in empowering me in the early days of Love Intently. I went to Yellow uh, I think two or three years ago when I wasn't sure if Love Intently could even be a thing and they both empowered and inspired me through both the content at Yellow but the conversations that I had with both of them. They're incredible humans and have so much insight. They've done such a good job of supporting and balancing each other. If you ever watch or get to know Nolan, you see how much grit and hard work he puts into yellow just as much as Joanna supports him in his ventures. And it's just this beautiful thing to watch. Join our incredible community of 44,000 others on Instagram. And let us know what you think at love.intently. Lastly, if you want to support what we're doing and to be a part of building a world that loves intently, you can do so with any dollar amount at our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Yes, even as little as $2 a month would be so helpful. Until next time with love and intention.